Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're all having a beautiful week and I'm wishing you all a happy early Thanksgiving. Today on An Actor Despairs, we have Kit Young. You know him from Netflix's Shadow and Bone, The School for Good and Evil. I had so much fun talking with Kit. We dig deep into drama school, Shakespeare, and working on these insane, such beautifully massive projects, and I'm just so proud of them. I hope you guys really enjoy it. Kit, it was a pleasure. So much love, guys. Here it is. Kit Young, welcome to An Actor Despairs. How are you doing, man? I'm good, thank you. Thank you very much for having me, right, man. It's a pleasure to be here. It's really good to have you, and I'm really glad we could rock this out, man. You're doing incredible work over there, and 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 I mean, you're you're getting to do Shakespeare film and TV, and and you got to go to Rada, man. It's a hell of a career you're having, and and it must feel Thank really good much. to. And you got Shadow and Bone season two coming up, you know. So your mm. 2023 is looking great, man. I, I'm just thrilled for you. <laughs> Thank you very much. You know, it's an absolute pleasure. I, when you say it like that, actually, yeah, it's it's been it's been a long run of stuff. So I feel very very blessed to kind of keep doing, you know, what what I love, what we all love. So um, so yeah, it's, no, it's 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 a real real pleasure, man. It's kind of one of those things when you know I'm an actor as well. Like we're actors when we're in it, we're so in it. And it's not till later that we get to look back and be like, wow, that was crazy. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing that I always say is that uh, you know, when you when you're working whether it's you know in theater film tv or even just training like the the days are very very long but the weeks go like that yeah and it's it, it really zips by so it's so when you kind of take a moment to look back on it it's actually it's actually pretty crazy well let's take a moment and that leads right into what i usually do let's look back where did you grow up so i okay yeah so i grew up in oxfordshire in england uh for those of you who don't know that's about an hour and a half in the car west of London. Um, Would that be a suburb for the Americans listening, or is that London? Yeah, still? yeah. So I, so I, so I was, yeah, I was in the suburbs, kind of just outside the Oxford city centre, where the you know the the esteemed university is. Um, so I kind of grew up in the suburbs, and uh, I was in school locally around there. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I kind of grew up around there, and I was always the kind of I was one of the drama kids, you know um so, so where did kind of doing all this going if, if you don't mind mm-hmm. we'll break it down even slower than that where did that, yeah, that. get started are your parents artists my my parents are creative people but they're not uh professional artists my my mother works in uh travel and my father works in engineering so uh i'm the eldest of three and so i was kind of the first to try and make a career of this kind of creative life and, um where did that impetus yeah. come from and what was the journey like getting into it? And, and if you don't I mind me asking, yeah. what, what age are we talking about when it really started being explored? Listen, dude, I was, I was, I was super, super young. Like I, uh, from, from the age of like three or four, I wanted to, to at least perform, right? I don't think I, I, I had the, the consciousness to know that I wanted to be an actor or what that really was. But, you know, I started, I started doing like, youth performance arts groups and stuff i wanted to be a dancer and a singer and an actor and i also played music i played the piano and the guitar and i started with the the horn and the trombone but like i i kind of i wanted to be out there doing stuff 
and it's a great way for like kids to also meet each other um socially because i think you know for us in the uk we call it football you might call it soccer yeah you know there's all sorts of like sports teams and so on all these ways to like kids for kids to connect and for me that was that was in like a a, a theater kind of concept uh, in, in that kind of forum um and so when i was about i don't know for, even from the age of like five and six i was i was i was just learning and and getting to hang out with kids whether you were singing a song from a famous piece of musical theater or whether you were doing a dance piece or even trying to look at a scene uh you know my first kind of proper professional acting jobs when i was you know i was a kid in the ensemble i didn't really know what was going on around me but that started from when i was about nine eight or nine um and that was me doing the the kind of local pantomime in 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 Oxford, which is a big thing in the UK, maybe not so much outside, but it's like a Christmas show. Yeah. It's normally based on a fairy tale. Um and so that was that was the kind of that was kind of my start where I was kind of seasonally around the Christmas period, I would be half in school and half out of school doing these shows. And that was my first flavor of this whole thing. And being like, you know what, maybe maybe I want to do this. Yeah. Um, and also just watching movies as a kid. I think the first movie that really made me pay attention as a kid was my dad showed me The Empire Strikes Back. And I think I actually saw Empire Strikes Back before I saw the original Star Wars. And I and that was the first movie I saw. I went, Empire Strikes Back oh, wait. second, right? Yeah, 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 dude, yeah. come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. but um, you know, I saw that, I saw that movie and, and I remember thinking like, oh wait, that isn't just like an escaped world or whatever that you can go to, but like that's someone's job. Yeah. And like realizing that, you know, you've seen people have lightsaber fights, whatever it is, and kind of going like, that's someone's actual job. Someone, someone spends their life doing this, making this stuff. And I, and I kind of really wanted to kind of uh, know more about it. Um, but for a long time, it was just, you know, it was, it was like an extracurricular kind of like hobby, right? Like it's kind of the thing you do after school or on the weekends. Um, it took, it wasn't until my teenage years where it was like, oh, wait, this actually might be my thing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that, and that, you know, that was interesting because also, my, uh, I'm sure, I don't know whether you have the same thing, but for a lot of, a lot of kind of young guys that I know, part of the thing of trying to start is trying to convince your parents that this is what you're going to do. And and how were they receptive to that? They were great because I think because I'd done, uh, I'd, I'd started doing um, a couple of professional gigs when I was young, they had some eyes onto it, but they, you know, they're still worried on some level that their kid is going to go into something that's really unstable. Right. Um, and a lot of the kids around me that I was at school with, they were, they were looking to do something that was more mainstream right they're going on to try and be lawyers or doctors or whatever the list goes right. on but um i i think it was you know one of my last kind of like school plays or youth theater things when i was about 17 18 when my my parents realized like oh other people think he's good at this it's not just us being proud parents being proud yeah. of our boy like maybe he can actually do this um but the the, the the thing that kind of sealed the deal for them at that stage was me leaving school and Getting a place to uh, getting a place in drama school at RADA, which is the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art in the UK, because that's when it was like, oh, okay, this this institution is legit and competitive. The fact that he got in might mean that he has a shot at this thing, and so that was the real blessing moment, I think, for me. 
And did you do uh, a cattle call of like Guildhall, Rada, Lambda? Yeah. And yeah. and and did did you get into any others or? I uh, I remember my first year because also it's quite an expensive. Endeavor, yeah, so it's like, like 150 to quid schools. to do an application, right? Yeah, exactly. And when I was applying, it was a little bit cheaper at the time. I think things have just gradually gone up and up. But um, but even then, uh, I was already, I was applying to universities and stuff to do other types of courses. I, it was a time when I was thinking maybe I might go to university and read history. Wow, because uh, I'm I'm a big kind of history nut. But I I knew I always I knew really deep down I was like this is what I want to do, and um, I yeah I I kind of went. And auditioned at Rado. That was the kind of first one. And because I'd done some other gigs beforehand, um, I wasn't really sure if I wanted to do like a whole undergraduate thing or if I wanted to do a short course and try and get out there. So I did the foundation course at Rado. And then I realized that was that. And that's, that's like two terms, like two semesters from like September to Easter. And then after that, I was like, I need to come back. Like, this is exactly what I want to do. And does the and so foundation, like, I'm sorry to interrupt, does the foundation no, no. secure you a spot in RADA? Not at all. So I had to wow. reapply, and uh, I was fortunate enough to get in that year. I also applied to other schools like Lambda and Guildhall and and so on, and, and Bristol Old Vic, and uh, uh, a couple of them didn't take me. Uh, but uh, RADA, because I'd already spent some time there, I knew that that's where I already felt like I was at home. So I was very fortunate that they took me on again. And then I did the three years there. And so by the time I left, which was 2017, I was 22. By the time I left, I was, I'd been there for about four years. So, yeah. Wow. And, 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 and how was the experience of RADA, you know, because I know it can, it's our equivalent of Juilliard, Yale, NYU, you know, exactly. how, how, how was the conservatory, a lot of Shakespeare, a lot of contemporary, mm-hmm. you know, uh, movement, I imagine as well. Did you enjoy the training? Yeah. I had a great time. I mean, I was basically given this, you know, the, the course itself has so much to offer um, in terms of what you're doing, that voice movement acting fight all of this stuff that you're doing um that i really 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 loved it but i did find at the end of my time there that it was and maybe it was because i was there for four years instead of three i don't really know but by the time i left i knew that it was time to just go and like try and see what happens out there because as rigorous as the training is as intense as it is as brilliant as it is you are also in a bubble and it's like you know, it's it's like if you were to, to, to make a movie and you just keep doing reshoots and you just decide yeah. you're never actually going to let it come out. At some point, you have to go. Yeah. Um, and so I had a fantastic time there that I was surrounded by, you know, teachers and staff that are at the top of their game and have been teaching the greats for generations. And I was with a particular set of students that were also <laughs> incredibly gifted. Um, you felt comfortable and, with your, your fellow students. Yeah, the the group can make or break the experience. I know. You know. I think. I think that. I think that's part of the secret. Really, is that you don't know that until you're in it, um, because you get in off of your own merit and luck and all of these other things. But at some point, you also have to be. You have to fit in as part of a company. Yeah. They choose you as a good fit for that specific group. So if you don't get in that year that might not be a reflection on whether you're right or not for the school. It might just be that it's about the cohort of those group of students they're doing together. 
And, uh, and culturally, yeah. I, I'm curious. I've always wanted to ask, um, and I hope you don't mind me asking. Uh, if not, we mm. can delete this. But you know, in, in, in America, you know, I think because ego is such a like ingrained part of our culture, it can be quite competitive sure. with with people in the group. Yeah. You, did, did, was it like that there, or were you guys supportive and and there to lift each other uh, up? I was. I, I think I was fortunate enough that I was in a year group that was incredibly supportive of one another. That's them, but you can't bank on that in. Yeah, but you can't bank on that in any situation, whether it's cultural differences within countries or whatever. Like it just depends on the the goodwill of the people involved. And I happen to be with a group of people that all really cared about each other. Um, that might not be the case in a in a different year at a different school doesn't really matter but um but at the same time they can't help but be a sort of competitive edge at some stages because you know with all the love in the world you could be with your best friend and then you get presented with a play where you both want the same role right yeah. like that that thing is bound to happen um what i was fortunate enough in 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 my year was is that you know that that was always a short term thing and that never actually made any sort of real damage right um I think I think the competitiveness was one of if someone ups their game, it's up to you to match that and keep leveling each other up rather than, you know, beating each other into the ground, um, which I imagine kind of can be the case. And, um, and in summers, yeah. you know, here in America, we used to have a thing called summer stock where people would go and do theaters. What What would you guys do during your summers off? Would you try to get agents and audition for legit things, or you know? So the, so the way so the way that it works, I think with most with most actor training schools in the UK, I can't speak for all of them, but at least for rather at my time, and I think most schools operate like this: is if you're doing a three year course, which is the standard the agent thing and the outside thing doesn't become part of it until your final year in the showcase. So you're really, yeah, the showcases yeah. and also you do kind of graduate shows which people come invited to, but those first two years or the first year of a two year course, or whatever, um, the, that, that first two thirds of your course is very sheltered and it's about you acting with your people, with those staff working together. And then suddenly the outside world comes in and that's when things kind of are opened up. Um, and so, yeah, in our summers off, we would basically just take a break because yeah, just because be able our, to breathe. Yeah, because yeah. our hours were so intense, and I'm sure you have the same thing over in the states. Like you know, you're working at very least a nine Eight. to five, kind yeah. of six days a week. Like, do you know what I mean? Plus um, rehearsal, so, plus you know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's a really, really kind of rigorous process, um, and you know, it, it isn't for everyone. So, you know, if, if, if it is something that you, that you want to do, you, you, the weird thing is, is that people, people don't really realize until it's happening, the kind of strange sacrifices that you make, even as a student, because your friends that, you know, maybe from high school or whatever, are like, oh, hey, you're around on Tuesday. And they're, you know, they're at university doing something else. And you go, I'm not around. And they're like, why, what could you possibly be doing? And I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm just, I'm just Zonked. not available. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. And they're like, well, what are you doing there? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I've got a, I've got a fight with swords today. And they go, that sounds stupid. And you're like, no, but it's my job. Like, you know, so you're kind of, you, you do have to really commit to that thing for that length of time. When I, and, it, and, it, and it isn't, uh, for people who don't do this, it sounds kind of ridiculous. But I think once you're in it, you understand, like, you have to fully commit to the process while it's happening. And that applies to your drama training. And I think, 
if you do that, you're very well prepared for work in the future because it's the same thing. Yeah. It just doesn't like often most jobs, you're not doing it consistently for three years. You won't be doing it for three, six months. Totally. Um, and, so and, yeah, it's, it, but it's that thing. And, and I'm curious, you know, because I think everyone kind of has this misconception that, you know, British actors are so naturally good at Shakespeare because of the accent and the Elizabethan roots. When it got to that mm. section of Rada, how was that experience for you? Was that something you were naturally interested in or, you know, because it's iambic, so it's, it's a that. new animal, you know? Yeah, well, dude, I'm so glad you asked that, actually, because when auditioning to most schools, at least in the UK... You know, you show up with your audition, you have a couple of monologues, right? Or maybe a scene. So, like, for us, it's normally a classical monologue, which normally is Shakespeare. Yeah. Because you have to really know your stuff to pick a classical speech from that era that isn't Shakespeare. In verse as well, I imagine they want it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they typically want it in in verse. They probably don't want prose. So you pick something that's in verse, probably Shakespeare, and you pick... And also, you know, you're talking young young people normally, like, they probably don't even know all the Shakespeare plays. So you're probably picking something from, Romeo, like, Romeo, Hamlet, Othello. Yeah, yeah. You're, pick, yeah. you're picking from the ones you've heard yeah. about. Yeah, Or maybe the ones that you've seen or studied in, in, in school. But, like, you're doing that and you're doing a modern speech. And I knew that when it came to the modern stuff, I was like, oh, this is, this is acting. This kind of makes sense to me. And then when it came to Shakespeare, there was a while where everything I was doing on stage was just about me trying to remember what the next thing was to say. Yeah. Trying to memorize when the, it's just, yeah, it's it's like Yoda, you know, yeah. 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 Like, uh, you, you really have to just know it, know it, know it, know it. And, and, and when it came and I, I, you know, when I was auditioning, I remember kind of going, Oh, I feel like I kind of, get this not even get it but i was like i know that i'm intrigued by this thing and that i want to do more of it and i'm not going to be scared by it because some actors they're made to do shakespeare but it's it's just not what they're interested in yeah and so they're like okay well i have to do this thing whereas i was like oh no i think i might be able to do that which took me by surprise because also at least when i was coming out you know i think today especially in shakespeare casting is a bit more open yeah you know you can go and see a romeo and juliet where both Romeo and Juliet are women, for instance, and totally. nobody bats an eyelid, right? Whereas if you're going to do an Arthur Miller play and, you know, if dad is white and son is Asian, some people go, well, that isn't real. And you're like, well, it's a piece of theater, like grow up. Yeah. But um, whereas, it, whereas with Shakespeare, it's really open. And I was like, oh, this is great. Because originally I was like, well, there's a fellow for me and who else? Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I didn't really see that there was a place for me in that. And then once that I the piece got you into did? it. Othello? no not even i i ended up doing i did i did some of the other kind of kings i went for henry v i went for richard ii and i didn't even really know those plays well enough i was like they're like what's the story and i was like the king says some stuff and some people die and (laughs) then people clap at the end um but uh like now like i'm i i I just i read up i really read like my time in right i read up on all the plays and i loved them and i found like how some of those plays are kind of the root of so many other stories we tell today. Like case in point, obvious example, West Side Story is Romeo and Juliet. Um, another one I like to say to people is <laughs> I'm like, the Lion King is actually Hamlet with a happy ending. Um, totally. Like those things are really like exciting. Succession is an amalgamation. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You're, you're completely on the money. So I really enjoyed that stuff. And then found that when I left drama school, the first jobs I was getting were all 
Shakespeare gigs. And I was like, how did I become the Shakespeare guy? Like, I really didn't expect that. Yeah. Because I was, I'd gone from someone who went, okay, I think I've read, I think I've learned seven lines out of 10, but I'm struggling with the last three. And I don't really know what that metaphor means. And is it that thing where I have to say those eight lines in one breath? What's the deal with that? Whereas now I'm like, if I can understand it, that's, 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 I've succeeded. So, so once you know it, then the, the play and the fun comes in how you're going to do it. Because yeah. um, also, you know, Shakespeare can be done any sorts of ways. Like you, you, can, you can literally put those plays in any concept at any time, film, theater, whatever. And there's possibilities. Whereas there's some things where you go like, I don't know, like if we decide to set this thing in this time period, you've really got to work to make it happen. Um, but with Shakespeare, literally the possibilities are endless. And so suddenly I was like, this is a whole world that I could just live in for years. Yeah. And I kind of did. Yeah. And was that, you know, enjoyful for you, you know, because you, yeah, dude, I, think, I, I think everyone gets out of school and they're like, all right, well, I want to audition for TV and film. And then you get pulled into the Shakespeare direction, which is great because you're working, but it's a bit yeah. different than, you know, the, the stereotypical expectations out of, out of drama school. Yeah, dude. I mean, I like in a way, even up to this point, I've kind of ended up on that trail whereby I do a couple of, you know, I did a couple of Shakespeare plays kind of back to back, or I did like three within two years. So it still kind of feels like it's the majority of your work. And I was like, oh, what if I, like other actor friends I know, like they get to be like a guy wearing a t-shirt who has an iPhone as opposed to wearing the cape and having a sword. Yeah. And I'm used to being the guy with the cape and the sword. And I go, maybe I should do the other thing. But even now, lots of the other work I do that isn't classical in any means, really, like still has that kind of pomp and circumstance or it has that kind of scale to it that basically has meant that doing the Shakespeare thing has put me in great stead to basically go anywhere else. Well, I'm I'm really glad you said that because that's a reoccurring question I ask every actor on the show is, you know, obviously sometimes it can happen in drama school and sometimes it happens in work and, and finding your voice and, and, and finding your confidence, both of those. Mm. Do you feel like that happened in those Shakespeare works where you really felt like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Because also like, let, let's be honest, there's always, especially in England, there's a very loyal kind of theater going audience, probably of a certain age as well. And they typically really know their shit. Right. Like if I were to say a Shakespearean joke, which is an outdated joke from 400 years ago or more, that is about some lady and this thing and this word that doesn't make any sense. And there's an older person in the audience who laughs out loud. I know that if I say that wrong, there's someone going to go, you did that wrong. But also what's that got to do with anything really? Yeah. Because it's about like, like you've got to remake the play for today. Otherwise, why are you putting it on? Like totally. whenever I've been doing Macbeth or Midsummer Night's Dream or Julius Caesar or any of those shows, there has never, we've never just been the only one of those on. Like when I was doing Midsummer Night's Dream in 2019, we were one of three productions on in London within like a five mile radius. Like you could wow. choose to go see anyone. So you've got to really be sure about why you're doing that play. Yeah, And you've really got to like make it for an audience, whichever audience you're making it for, you've got to make it relevant for people. Otherwise just do something else. That's beautifully. And cool. so, so yeah, I mean, I, but I think it's true because 
if someone, if you were to ask me today, hey, Kit, do you want to come and do the Shakespeare play? I will be that annoying person who will go, but why are we doing it? Yeah, no, it's <laughs> like, a fair question. Or like, what's the, what's the, what's the, what's the, what's the plan? Because yeah. you might want to do something because it's cool and that's great, but will other people think it's cool? Because if you want people to come because it's cool, it better be cool. Yeah. But it, but otherwise, you know, you might, you might probably want a, a deeper reason as to why you're, why you're putting that on. Because also the text is tricky. So why would people listen or care? Yeah, no, that's beautifully put, and I appreciate that. And 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 Caesar, you got to work with Ben Wishall, right? How was that? Yeah. Oh, and that was amazing because also like that show. So that show was crazy because I was in my final year at Rada, and um, uh, the director uh, Sir Nicholas Heitner, who used to run the National Theatre for ten years and launched a bunch of careers, like he did History Boys and he did the original Miss Saigon and all this stuff. And he was starting this new theater, the bridge theater. And he asked me to come and be in that show. And I knew that it was going to be Ben Wishaw and Michelle Fairley from, who was still hot off of game of Thrones at the time. And, and, and David Morrissey, who was hot off of the walking dead. And I was like, how am I in this show? And the crazy thing was, is that the theater wasn't even built yet. Like I, I got the gig and then there were nine months we had to wait for the theater to be built before we did wow. the show. Um, and, I went into that and I was, I was just kind of stunned as like an, as like a new kid on the block. Like how, how am I even in this room with these people who are all pros and are all known for being brilliant in several different things. And the tricky thing for me was kind of walking onto that stage in front of a thousand people every day. Well, then when we did the National Theatre Live production and there were millions of people watching around the world, is to be able to go out onto that stage and feel like I have a right to be here. Like I have just as much of a right to be here as people like Ben Mitchell would do. And all of those kind of, uh, those guys that were on that show were really good at making all of us younger, uh, younger cats kind of feel like, like, you know, they really gave us the platform to be welcome. Totally. Um, and like, you know, I, I had that for the first couple of years on my jobs where I was kind of like the youngest on a job or like the newest on a job. And it's all about people kind of offering each other the space to, to, to do your thing. And if someone gives me the green light to be like, you know what, you know this, don't doubt yourself, go out there and have a, have a good time. And that's kind of all you need. Yeah. And then after the show's done, when the adrenaline goes down, and you go over to see your, your mum or your dad or whatever, and they go, did you like it? And let them be the person going, holy cow, you were on stage with that person? You go, oh, yeah, that's true. That just happened. Totally. Um, um, and and it I must think, elevate you know, your game, being with that amazing of actors. You completely. Know? Yeah. Well, you, yeah. Learn, you learn so much by osmosis. I think, I think, you know, at drama school in training, you're very, very aware all the time of like the things that you might be learning or the things you're meant to be learning because that's why you're there. Whereas like when you're doing a job, you're like, the, the, the job is to execute the demands of the job. Yeah. And then at the end of it, you go, oh, as a kind of weird subconscious byproduct, I've actually learned loads from like watching these amazing people do their thing and seeing how they respond, especially in theater, see how different they are each day. Like if you see your favorite actor on stage on a Saturday night when it's amazing, great for you. But also if you see them on a Tuesday when they're like recovering from an illness and still trying to make it work and they're still amazing, isn't that a really interesting thing to try and work out? Totally. And so as a cast member, you get the benefit of seeing all of those experiences. 
and also experiencing them yourself because I grew up wanting to be an actor because I thought it was fun and having a great time doing it and being interested in trying to tell stories. But also I used to do it part-time whereby I get to do it Saturday afternoon or on a Friday night and that was always great. So when you start doing it as a job, you have that transition from hobby to job where you go, oh, it's Tuesday. I really don't feel like it. Yeah, and your you job is act. to show up and still do it. Yeah, yeah. you've got to show up and do it. And that's a really amazing learning curve. And if you see someone you admire, like a Ben Wish or, or whoever, you see them show up on a, on, a, on a Monday, Tuesday, whatever it is, and you see them nail it and kill it, you can't help but want to match it. doesn't matter if you have 10 lines, 100 lines, one line. doesn't matter. But like you, like my impetus is like, well, I better show up too. (laughs) And so like you end up learning loads. That's beautiful. And I I imagine a production that big and and, and like you said, it got produced and and seen, did that open, you know, a lot of different eyes to your work and people coming to see the show and, you know, put you on radars that that perhaps might not have happened right away? I think so. I mean, it's a little bit like, I think naturally as actors, part of the reason we're even having this chat, I imagine is that we're trying to enlighten other actors because largely as actors, we live in the dark. Yeah. We live, we live in a place of kind of not knowing stuff, right? You're all kind of trying to call up your agent or whatever being like, is there anything because you might know because I don't like, and you're talking to your friends going, have you heard, have you heard? Because often we don't know stuff. And I think I did walk into rooms where I got used to being, like introducing myself for the first time. And then there were a couple of times where I'd walk into a room and they go, no, 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 we know who you are. We saw you in the thing. And I'm like, oh, you did? And then immediately I'm like, but did you like it? <laughs> and like, you know, yeah. you know, and you've got to kind of like, you know, get around it in whatever way that works for you. But it was a, it was a, it was a slower kind of build whereby there's a momentum you can get where work begets work. And that's a really lovely thing. Um, but also you, you have to, you, I think I, I try to walk into every room assuming that people haven't come across me before because otherwise you're just that guy <laughs> who's like, well, are you familiar with my work? And like, nobody wants that guy around. Um, but like, I think, yeah, I started to kind of gain a very small reputation, not as necessarily an actor that people uh, would know or thought was any good per se, but really as an actor who was dependable and that like if you cast me if you literally decide to pay me money to do a job you can bet that i'm going to show up and give it give you my all yeah that i think that was the reputation i was starting to build in theater was like you go like oh well we've got our main cast but we don't have someone for this part kit and that that kind of became that was where I was, that's how i started being on people's radar i think i hope um and yeah that that that's it it's a very kind of weird thing because really what i'm saying is as things started to build, I still don't actually know the answers why. So it's my own way of making sense of it because it's other people in rooms that you never go into who make decisions. And like, we're not, we're not, after you have an audition and the casting director says goodbye, we don't know what conversations are happening. Yeah. Behind. You don't know all the conversations you're having with your, your agents are having and so on. So you try and piece it together for yourself. But um, for me, I, yeah, I, I assumed that the reputation I was building was was one of someone who they go like that 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 guy tries hard. He's he's quite good at that, but also like he like if you ask him to do something, he's probably going to do it to the best of his ability. And 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 then yeah. when did the the film and TV circuit start really opening up its way? Was was Shadow and Bone the first really big thing for you? Or yeah, 
that that was i mean like so so as i was going through theater and doing shakespeare and all that kind of good stuff uh i was doing miss Summer's dream and this audition came through for shadow and bone and up until that point i'd come down to like the final two to play a bunch of different roles leading supporting and a bunch of different shows that just in the end just didn't go my way and a bunch of ones that were really crushing too because i was that close yeah yeah. and then and then shadow and bone came along and it was actually quite funny because uh the the, my first audition for it i was up for uh, this character mal who's the romantic lead who my friend archie plays and um it was probably the worst audition of my life like i I massively screwed it up self-taper in person in person so extra embarrassment yeah um and so i really really screwed it up and i got the vibe wrong and i think they misread me it was a whole like everything about it just wasn't quite matching um no no kind of like malintent but i left that audition basically being like well screw that job and i was like bye shadow bro never think about you again and everyone i knew was up for it in some capacity um it was because they were trying to cast all the main roles and then it was months later, I was doing Midsummer's Dream and uh, uh, a couple of the execs ha- happened to come and see the show. And the next day they were like, oh, come in for this character, Jasper." And I looked at the brief and I went, oh, wait, this character, I'm way more down to play. Went in for that and then I did recall after recall after recall, a couple of chemistry leads. And then they called me and I knew the day they called me, it was a, I did my final round on a Friday New, typically in the UK at least, or wherever, you don't really hear anything over the weekend. So I was like, I'm going to hear on Monday. Because on Monday, it's two weeks till the job starts. So they've got to make a decision who they want. Wow. Monday morning, I got a call from an agent, and they're like, it's happening. And it was like, pack up your life and move to Budapest. That was what was happening. And I had one week left to miss my next dream. So I finished up the show, started to meet everyone who was on the job. And then I had one week between finishing my theater show and moving to Budapest to start shooting a show that I didn't really even know what I was doing. Like, yeah, yeah, I hadn't, I'd spent so long in the theater atmosphere that I, I really didn't know enough about the screen thing. I walked in and I was pretending. Have that as part of their program now as we're moving. It is, it is, it is part of their program, but the the large focus is on the theater training course because the, largely i think everything comes from that so okay. so it's it's uh yeah it was more of a theater training course but also all of my work for the previous two years really mainly had been theater yeah. um you know i'd spent like a week on a set and then four months in the theater and then another three days on a set and then six months in the theater so i felt really out of my depth moving to a foreign country i'd never been to and now i'm gonna shoot a show for six months wow. um so it was yeah it was kind of wild it's so beautiful. And, and when you got there on a set that's, you know, almost Game of Thrones money equivalent, how did that feel yeah. to just be on something so epically, no, you know, no dollar spare? Yeah, I mean, it was great and it was cool and it was exciting. And this is pre-COVID, so no one's worrying about anything yet. <laughs> um, but uh, we, this was like 2019, somewhere in 2019, we went out there and uh what was really nice about it was similar to the thing I've talked to you about when it comes to like drama schools and the people that you're with. There were six of us that were the leads that showed up together. One of whom, Mr. Ben Barnes had been around the block before, so he knew what was going on. But yeah. the other five of us, we were all pretty green. I'd probably say I was one of the greenest, but we all experienced it together. 
and so throughout this crazy experience we are walking onto this set of this magical world that has been built out of you know from a book um and then is being brought to life we had each other to turn around to and go holy shit is this really happening um and so that was the thing that kind of anchored us um because we did have like the big book fandom and they were very kind of they were anticipating everything so there was a little bit of a pressure to do it right or at least not do it wrong um but really you know i was i was incredibly supported by 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 everyone who was leading us um our directors and showrunners and writers and producers and so on and the other cast members so i felt like when when people went kit now it's your turn to do your thing i felt comfortable to step in and do it as best i could and with as most kind of like cocksure energy and 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 whatever and the gunslinging and all of it and just like throw everything to the wall and see what sticks wow. and um, i'm just glad that some of it did <laughs> it totally did and and i mean speaking of pun intended green was that your first time doing green screen work you know oh yeah yeah how, how was time. it i mean i imagine the theater training helped for that but was that weird navigating you know yeah yeah, the, the 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 theater training definitely helps um, because you just have to imagine stuff that isn't there anyway. You know, in a four wall space, one of the walls is the audience, so you already have to imagine that. But it was quite strange being in a train carriage, pretending to shoot lots of beasts that are trying to get you, and you're like, "What? What am I responding to?" And it's like a member of the crew who's just shouting instructions at you, yeah. like it's like shout, they're just shouting stuff from the script, like at stage direction. They're like, "Monster one, monster two, and I've got to really place it in my head how those elements come together as we go. Um, and, you know, you're, you, you, you're always going to be helped by the edit, yeah. you know, because people will shoot it in a number of ways that you can feel like whatever you do, we've got it. But for me, being a coming through theatre where you have to do your own continuity and you have to do it in order and make sure you've got it right all the time, I wanted to make sure I was as prepared as possible. Um but also when you walk in, you can't be worrying about everything. You just have to like do the thing when asked. If the take is three, two, one action, cut, you need to make sure that that small time has something going on. Yeah. Um, and so that was, that for me, the, that entire experience, as wonderful as it was, was like a big trial and error. And like there are things that when I look back on it, I go, That's, that, that worked, I can keep that. That didn't work so well for me. I want to work on that. Um, that's the benefit of screens that you can look back on it, but also watching yourself as a whole other problem. Um, yeah. You know, well, I know. Yeah, well. It's a whole other thing. So, so yeah. season one was really your film school, so to speak. Exactly that. Yeah. Literally exactly that. That's yeah. beautiful, man. And, and yeah. so then talk to me, you know, obviously everyone has dealt with this in some way The the pandemic happens and it kind of shifts all yeah. our lives how do you navigate that? I mean, I imagine maybe you had a few jobs that were going to go that went on hold or. Well, no, well, actually the opposite. So I came, I, I moved back to London a week before the world ended. Like we were literally having our like farewell rap party in Budapest for the end of season one. And we were like, have you heard that Tom Cruise has been flown out of Italy for some reason? And like, we were like, apparently there's some crazy stuff going on in Europe. And we had no idea it was COVID. And then like literally within two weeks, the world was shut down. Yeah. And so I moved back to London. I immediately kind of like quarantined. And then, you know, it was, it was quiet for a while, like from, from March till uh, August for me, it was, it, it was quiet. And, and then I was very fortunate in that 
something started to open up again and I booked a, I booked a film for September of 2020 and I did this film in Scotland. It's called The Origin. It just had its premiere at the London Film Festival. It's a horror yeah. film. Horror thriller, just, right? Yeah. 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 And it's just, and it's just six people. And so it was a really small crew. We were all bubbled together, very, very remote. It was my first experience of like bubbling in COVID um, and being isolated from everyone. And uh, we shot that movie in just six weeks. Wow. Uh, which was so different from what I'd experienced, obviously, on Shadow Moment, which is over six months. And then I came back into more quarantining. And then, uh, and then I booked the, the School for Good and Evil, which kind of was the beginning of 2021. And how did that um, feel to book something with Charlize, Kate, Lawrence? I mean, you know, so Yeah, I mean, that was crazy because also when I booked the job, they hadn't told me that those guys were all in it. Oh, no like, way. Yeah, yeah. So I, I auditioned for this movie that I didn't, I confess I didn't know much about. I know I knew it, it was, was a secretive a audition. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't really know much of anything. And they didn't give me the scripts. I just got given some sides that were from like the end of the movie. So you're looking at it like, I genuinely don't know what's going on because I feel like I needed to have read or seen something to know what I'm meant to be talking about. Um, but I, I read for it and my first audition, I was still shooting this, this, this horror film. So I didn't look great. Like I had a terrible haircut. I had like scraggly hair and I was like always in the rain and, the, the brief for the school for Guinea was said handsome. And I was like, well, this ain't going to work. Yeah. I was like, there's no way this is going to happen. But for some well, reason, you're a handsome man. I got to say, for all the ladies, <laughs> they'll be mad at me if I don't say it. <laughs> That's very kind of you. But, um, and gentlemen. I, yeah. And, and, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I, I, yeah, I auditioned for it. And then I met Mr. Paul Feig, who directed the movie. And were you aware and then of when off, I, 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 iconic? Status. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I was, I was very, very aware of him. And, uh, but again, my first meeting was very strange because it was COVID. So he was like behind a screen and it was a whole thing. And, and then I walked away from the audition. And I was like, I don't really know if that's gonna work or if I'm the guy you're even looking for, to be fair, because the character in the book is also described as like super pale skin, blonde hair, blue eyes. And I was like, I don't look like that. Yeah. Um, but I, I ended up, they, they offered me the role-ish um, because they needed to find the older version of me who was played by Mr. Lawrence Fishburne. And I had no idea because I still didn't have the script. So like, we need to find the older you. And I was like, oh, okay, like how old? And they're like, well, we're thinking like Lawrence Fishburne. And I was like, what? Yeah. And I, like, I had no idea. Um, and then I started panicking like, oh, okay, am I doing the wrong accent? Like, cause I'm assuming he's going to Yeah, I get a match. Right, right. Yeah. Cause I'm, I mean, like they've cast me first cause they've optioned me as the villain for this movie. And I wanted to do the movie because most movies of that genre don't have villains my age. Like I'm, I'm 28. I was 26 when we shot it. And most villains I'm thinking of, you know, is Voldemort or Vader or something. It's like someone who's more of a father figure. So I was like, if you're offering me this, I 100% want to do it. But um, I didn't. I didn't expect that there was this other scale to it. I'd heard about the two Sophias, the two young leads being cast, but I didn't know about Charlie's or Kerry or Lawrence or Michelle Yeoh or anyone yet. Um, and then when and then when I realised that, I was like, oh my gosh! Like again, similar to that theatre thing with Ben Wisher, I was like, how am I here? Like how am I in this room with yeah. these people? And I've got to be the bad guy of the movie. I've got to be like the most terrifying well, and that thing in it. Opening scene is so epic. 
I mean, it's nuts. Yeah. What one? I mean, one in a million actors are lucky to get something that epic. How did it feel to shoot something like that? Well, dude. So, like, I mean, for those of you who haven't seen it, this is a scene where I play these two ancient wizards, a good brother and an evil brother. It's like Dumbledore and Voldemort fighting, or it's like yeah. Sith versus Jedi. But it opens the movie. Um, it's not at the end of but it opens the movie. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But remember, yeah. dude, this is the crazy thing. So originally, that wasn't in the script. Everything was a mystery, and then it was that that sequence was a reshoot. So we shot that in Budapest again because uh, I was doing Shadow because no I was doing yeah because I was already doing ah, Shadow Bone season two. Got it. Doing season two, so it was earlier this year. I wasn't able to leave because they're both Netflix. They managed to work it out, but they came down and they flew out the crew there, and I was put through stunt rehearsals, all this stuff, and because I was already playing Rafal, the villain of the movie, they were like do we want an identical twin to play the, the, the good one or do we cast someone else? And it was a whole thing. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I can do it. I'm pretty sure I can do young fish by now. I know him quite well by now. And they're like, okay, you do it. But also that changes how you're going to shoot it. Yeah. Cause it means like you just have to shoot everything twice. Really. Right. And I have to do twice the work. Like I've done a lot of fight choreography, but I've never had to learn both sides of a fight. Totally. I've never had I to think like, about that. Yeah, like to do everything twice, to like do the dialogue in an American accent, and then seven hours later come back and do the British version. While balancing like it was, it was another very, show, right? Exactly, yeah. Like yeah. It was like Monday, yeah. Tuesday on this, Wednesday, yeah. go back to Jesper on Shadow and Bone, come back. It was the most mental experience I've ever, ever had. But it was amazing. It, yeah. it was, it was very well, now there's nothing you can't do, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but like, yeah. you know, there's the, it, it was so hard to explain to people until they've now seen it which is great now that people have seen it because beforehand it was just like, you know, people are like, what are you talking about? I'm like, don't worry, you'll get it in a year when it comes out. <laughs> like, you know, you have that thing where you can't quite connect with people in a way until they, um, they, they experience it too. Um, uh, but yeah, that, how's that, how's that felt for you mental. having the world see it now? I mean, it must be so cool and your, and your yeah. DMS must be amazing. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's great, man, but uh, I'm just great. You know, here's my thing. Like when it comes to anything I've made, um, I'm kind of just glad if people watch it, let alone if they like it. Um, because you know, I've got lots of lovely friends, some of which are actors and they're all very clued into how things work. But for like my friends and family who don't do this, they might be like, Oh, I saw that thing you did. And I'll assume it's the latest thing. And they've just discovered something from years ago. And so you, I have to, I'm just glad if people just check it out. But if people like it, and then they, and on top of that, if they reach out to then share the fact that they've enjoyed it, that means the world to me. Um, Because, you know, all the extra stuff from people you don't know, strangers, fans, whoever, who might engage with you on social media, that's very, very, very lovely. But, um, and that's great. It's like, oh, great, cool. We did something cool, and I'm glad it's had a a response and, and it's made an effect on you. And I'm glad that you were engaging with it. But if it's a family member who, like you know really gives their appreciation you know that's that's the stuff that will make you cry yeah and so like you know there's there's levels to this thing but it's 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 a huge relief when the thing finally comes out and people can watch it because on two levels one you can stop being that annoying guy around the dinner table saying this one time when i was fighting myself in this epic battle thing and they're just like oh this again but also it's it's proof of of uh not just your work, but also your life, because yeah. we live this stuff. It's so wrapped up into who we are as people when we're doing it that you can look at it and go like, 
in a weird way, you can kind of go back and go, that was me in 2021. Like you can kind of look at it and go like, and I'm glad that you can now engage with that thing. And, but also I get to leave it behind now that it's yours. It's not mine anymore. I get to move on and be Kit again and just be me and then move on to whatever the next thing might be. That's so beautiful, man. And, and I, I'm so proud of you. Your work is exceptional. And, and you know, Thank to you. kind of wrap things up, you know, I don't know how much you could talk, but let's, uh, let's mm. talk about what's next. Obviously you got shadow and bone season two. Yeah. And then you got yeah. an incredible soccer movie with Michael Ward. Going yeah, out, yeah. Right. Have yeah. you started that That's- yet? So we shot that uh, directly after I did School for Good and Evil. So that was this time last year. Okay. Uh, we shot that. We shot that movie in Rome, and then a little bit in London. And it's a beautiful. It's a film called The Beautiful Game, and it's about this group of lads who are homeless. It's based on a true thing called the Homeless World Cup, whereby this organisation collects homeless people from all over the world, and they do a World Cup football tournament every year in a major city across the world. It's fantastic because we shot. We it's about the England team, so we're all actors going to try and win this thing we will have different problems uh one of our characters is like an ex-heroin addict i play an ex-alcoholic there's a gang it. it's really beautiful and bill nye plays our coach which is you know beautiful Never heard and amazing <laughs> <laughs> but um but uh but what was really great is we shot it with the real homeless world cup teams so we had like the american team and the, the italian team and it was really really fantastic so that will be coming out next year um, and then Shadow Bone season two comes out early next year, I've been told, but I'm not entirely sure about the dates yet. Um, but sometime in 2023. And it's a huge show now. Like it's, yeah. I think after, after the success of the first season, um, people, people got really, really excited about the show and, and, and there's so much more story to tell off of Lee Bodigo's amazing books. Um, but the show's got bigger. We've got brand new cast and, you know, we, we, we just had so much fun this season and I am particularly excited for people to watch this season. Cause I think we get to not only make the world bigger, but we go much deeper into the characters too. Yeah. Cause, um, you know, adventure's great. Adventure's fun, action sequences and all the like romance and all that stuff. But I think once you get to dive into character development, that's the really juicy stuff. That's so beautiful, man. I can't wait to check yeah. it out. And, and I'm curious now, you know, with all this incredible success you're having, you know, any, any desire to return to the theater anytime soon? I am gagging to get back on stage, man. Like I really, really want to come to Um, Broadway. We should do a show together. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'd love that. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know when I'll be there. I mean, yeah. I mean, theater, the only reason I haven't done it sooner has been, I've been been fortunate enough to be otherwise engaged or, um, you know, COVID was a big deal because after season one of Shadow and Burn, I came back thinking I'd love to do a play now. And then obviously all the theaters closed. Right. Um, but as soon as literally, as soon as someone gives me the green light to go and do a play, I would be there yeah. because I really do miss it. And, and it's just a very different experience having that immediate experience with your, with your co-stars, with the crew around you, with the audience. It's that's where the magic really happens. So, true. so yeah. And 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 yeah. and final question, man. I ask every actor mm-hmm. this, and I know it's not an easy one, but uh, mm-hmm. it's no secret that we live in a really weird time in the world, politically, socially, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, for all the actors out there listening that are struggling, and you know, just got out of this pandemic, and and are really trying to pursue this, any words of wisdom you might have for them? Oh wow! Um, Sorry, I know it's heavy. No, 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 but it's a good question though. I mean, I'm not sure if I can offer 
kind of necessarily wisdom, but I, I would, I, I think the really important thing is, and I found it hard myself. I've struggled this myself actually, but um, staying in contact with people who matter to you because, and it's especially hard with COVID, I think, because we've all got very distant from things and from people. And but I, I found like the need to reach out to people is really, really important because you might be going through a lot and that's very normal and all very fair, but also the person next to you probably also is too. And I think um, reaching out to people who might be needing your help is probably one of the best ways to enrich their lives, but also yours. Um, because there's always going to be someone worse off than you yeah, and someone who really, really needs something. Um, maybe not always from you, but it, it can't, it can't hurt to try and help them quite, uh, quite often, I believe. And I found that some of the greatest surprises in my life have come from the people that I didn't expect to walk into it. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah. So I'd say keeping those contacts with people and, and really kind of, uh, letting new experiences with new people really affect you. I think it is, is that's, that's, that's the real life stuff that outside of always being on screens with each other, um, is, is really important. So, yeah. That's so beautiful. Get young, man. Thank you for being here. I'm, I'm honored to get a chance to talk to you. It means a lot, man. And, and I'm proud My of pleasure, the work man. you're doing and I really hope we get a chance to work together and, and hang one day That'll soon, man. And, congratulations yeah. on all the epic things and uh you know when one of those next projects coming out come back and we'll break it down yeah thank you very much ryan well thank you this has been an absolute pleasure yeah and um, so yeah much. strange to be so reflective on everything actually no but yeah there man, we go it was, it was incredible and thank you for everything kid young man no stay fine. stay safe be well and uh we'll talk soon thank you If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.